re 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 ready Check Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah, you know it's a go. Okay, I see they going off, but we gon' rewrite it though. That's right, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah, you know it's a go. Okay, I see they going off, but we gon' rewrite it though. That's right, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah, you know it's a go. Okay, I see they going off, but we gon' rewrite it though. I said Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah, you know it's a go. Okay, I see they going off, but we gon' rewrite it Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Rewriters Room. We are the men with the pen. I am Armand Sather, a.k.a. the Paul Heyman of podcasting, a.k.a. the John Cena of journalism, a.k.a. the Brock Lesnar of bald nigga ballers. Now, I have another moniker that I'm going by. It involves my three, uh, us, the trio. However, we are missing one, and I will get into it. Actually, I'll get into it now. So when uh, one, one of our guys are missing, Cece, I made the mistake in referring to him as the Dean Ambrose of the Shield because he left us for greener pastures only to come back. However, being that we have now been left by Channing, you are not the Dean Ambrose. You are the Seth Rollins. Channing is the Dean Ambrose, and that aligns with him because if there's anyone who was the mid-carder of the Shield, it was Dean Ambrose. But I think most of all, I am excited because that now makes me the Roman Reigns of this trio and my name and Roman Roman's names are pretty similar. So it, it works out, but let me introduce my guy. CC, how you feeling, man? How you feeling? Seth Rollins. Hey man, what's good? It's CC, the best rapper producing the whole wide world. God body. Cause I consume healthy products and do towel curls, benevolent servant to the earth and philanthropist. And every phrase that I say is a gem like amethyst. You could put any nigga next to me. Any nigga pick your favorite nigga, your daddy, you know, put him next to me. In the kitchen with you and your mobs, your sister, your auntie, you know, and your grandma. Every one of them niggas gonna look at him and be like, whose man's is this? I may talk a lot, but I only got one thing to say. Love yourself and keep going. You are the world, so give all you can. Take care of your people, your body, and your land. And all I got to say to what you just said is, oh, oh come on. Seth, I'll go. I'll take Seth Rollins, aka Mr. Crowd Control himself. Oh man, that's a that's a great person to be, to be honest. So um, it's not a it's it's not a slight in any way. Um, but yeah, we're back. It's Channing Channing is uh, handling some business uh, overseas, underseas, across the seas, well, whatever seas he's doing, he, he's handling some stuff elsewhere. So it's just us today. But don't worry, that just means that. Rather than having three times the fun, you're going to have twice the fun. So it's a little less fun, but we're going to compensate. We are together, we're going to make up Channing holding it down for Mid-Card Mafia. And he's got some things to be excited about for Mid-Card Mafia, which we will touch on a little later. Of course, we got to plug our Patreon. If you are not subscribed to Patreon backslash the HLRNC, then you are missing out on the X8 Diaries. You're missing out on Spot Callers. You're missing out on Legendary Run. You're missing out on exclusive scoops coming from J5 and Meals on the A-Show. You're missing out on extra content from The War Report with Cyrus and Quan. You are missing out on engaging with us and answering some very fun questions that are asked on the Patreon. So what are you waiting for? Hit the link, subscribe, get this content, be tapped in. Join our Discord. We are Our Discord community is growing by the week. 
I love it. We have so many great wrestling minds in there, people who uh, expose us to different perspectives. And uh, it's fun. We have a lot of fun, a lot of safe fun, a lot of responsible fun. Speaking of some responsible fun, I'm just getting to mine, man. Uh, this, this, this past Monday, it was exciting to see my dog, Finn, Finn Balor, got that U.S. title opportunity. Everyone was like, he going to lose, he, but he going to get it at WrestleMania. No, 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 no. We're pressing that button now. Finn Balor defeated Damian Priest, ending a reign that got a little got a little stale for me. You know, Damian came in, hot baby face, the big bad buddy co-sign, beating The Miz, beat Sheamus at SummerSlam. Like, it was, it was all great. It was all great to me. And then they tried that split personality thing, and it just kind of got really repetitive. There was no progression with it. There was there, It seemed like there was no ending to it. It was like, okay, maybe eventually they're going to do the, if he gets a squad fight, he loses the title thing. And they didn't go through with it. So it's like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to have the person get beat. But we saw that in Damian Priest getting beat. That just brought out his evil side even more, and he beat up Finn after the match. And this will presumably be an extended thing that will go to WrestleMania. Now, will they make it a multi-man match? They love doing that. I think you have two compelling superstars to where you, you can keep these two, keep these two at it. You know, Finn, Finn playing the babyface role this time, Damien going full heel. We, we haven't seen that yet. Like Damien came in, but like we said, was, was a team double bad bunny. They, they were the, you know, the, the bright lit, but you know, having all the hoes, baby faces, and then now we get to see Evil Damien. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to. I'm happy that Finn is in a substantial storyline. I've been waiting for this. The matches with Theory or whatever, but now now we're here. Finn got another title under his belt. All he needs is to be a tag team champion, and he will be Grand Slam Finn. So I was very very happy with that. And it was it was a good match too. Like we're talking about everything surrounding it. The match itself was very very good. So I'm I'm very happy for my dog Finn. Yeah, man, I, uh, it was, um, it was weird because I wanted, <laughs> I, in order to like really feel the payoff, I wanted like another five minutes. Like I wanted just another five minutes, but that only spoke to like what you said, like with the match being pretty good. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. Cause I, I just finished like watching that, the uh, watching that shit. Um, so it's very fresh for me. Um, I knew it was going to happen soon as like, uh, they came out uh, or whatever. I knew that was going to happen when they made actually way back when they switched to, to Damien Priest, like being two different things. I was like, oh, they about to shut this shit down. Like, because as soon as they, they came out with that, I was like, this gimmick is not going to work. Like, I know it's not going to work because in order for you to make it work, one, he still has the title. I feel like the gimmick doesn't work with the title. Um, yeah. I don't know why. It's hard to explain. No, I, I, I agree. I yeah, agree. Him it's, coming it's in, yeah, him coming in as a babyface champion, then all of a sudden switching gimmicks, like while he has the title, like, and then nothing caused that. It all happened too of? fast. It happened too fast. It, it wasn't like a random match or like T Bar. It was like I don't like we don't really care about seeing T Bar on TV. You got to make it like have him go against the Miz, and the Miz makes him tap into his evil side. Like, And he, he had exactly. some singles matches with Miz prior to that, but like, make it someone where it's like, it's an understandable shift, like Seth Rollins, KO, someone like that where yeah. it's it feels bigger. They just like made it happen off one match with T-Bar, and then he faced T-Bar again, and then he was just doing this with everyone else, but it was like there was really nothing behind it except, oh, he's just getting ticked off in his matches. Like, I, I don't yeah. know, it, it was a big lack of story. <laughs> 
and to and to be perfectly honest, this kind of speaks to another point that I feel, um, which is that management is being underused as um, as a uh, a way of pushing the story forward. It, to me, it doesn't make any sense that uh, Sonya Deville and um, Adam Pierce are only involved in like some things on screen. Um, now, obviously, you don't want a situation where every single thing that's happening is surround like is like surrounds the management person or people or whatever. Um, I'm watching Raw 99 right now. It's hilarious. The <laughs> matches. Uh, uh, but the story is amazing. It's very, very funny. But um, the thing that makes it funny in the first place is because it's very like they're playing into the reality of it, which is that Mr. McMahon runs the company. These people work for him. And technically he can like have them do whatever they want. I mean, whatever he wants. Now, with him, Sonia and Adam showing up on camera as much as they do, um, that's a piece on the chessboard that you can use for certain things, right? So if you have Damian Priest and he's switching his gimmick up mid-title uh, defense run, um, why not have the thing that provokes him either be a, like, like you said, a superstar that really gets under his skin, or maybe it's the fact that management keeps putting him in these shitty situation matches. And then like he keeps snapping like or like he's in the middle of a match, he's about to win. And then like there's a stipulation where he has to do X, Y and Z. That mm -hmm. way you keep the fans on his side from when he still switches or whatever, because the fans were on his side when he was still switching. And it, even though it was kind of weird and you could tell they didn't know how they were supposed to feel. But yeah. if you do it that way, then they know. And then you can have him lose a championship, really turn heel or whatever. And then maybe he joins management or, you know, kind of goes rogue or whatever on his own. But I, I say all that to say it's just like the gimmick switch fell flat. I was ready for him to drop the title. I just wanted five more minutes out of that match. And um, I think th this whole thing with Finn and that title is not just limited to uh, Damian Priest and that feud that's going to happen. I think this is Finn getting back in the good graces of Vince. This nigga's about to be like he's about to. I don't think he's I'm not saying he's going to make like a, a title run, uh, like a main title run at all. but he's a, like the disrespect is stopping like this nigga is not about to take pins <laughs> whatever just to randoms anymore like this is not happening for a bit because there was a good year and a half this nigga was just like even to like even uh in that past match people thought he might lose or whatever yeah. and when you look at it on paper it's like yo this nigga was the first universal champion why would he lose to damian priest this new nigga who only won this u.s title like that would make no sense yeah. like yeah like and then that's what they reminded you of but at the, they're building him back up so i'm glad to see finn uh build back on that level to where he's getting back into the the top of the mid card slash like the main event um, honestly, I think the top of the mid card slash main event best suits him until someone who is at the main event level gets that title or like he can kind of do a few like mm -hmm. what we're about to see with Edge and AJ. Mm -hmm. um, if unless he like has the counterpart like that, I think that top of, of the mid card, like very, very top of the mid card to the bottom of the, the main event is is exactly where it belongs. And I'm I'm happy to see that you did it, man. I, yeah. I just hope that with the Damien Priest stuff that they turn it away. I just had this wild ass idea that there's a couple of like edgy rock star people in the, in the company. It would be, I just thought like, what if they just started a faction and shit? You just see Rhea and um, 
Damien Priest and some other edgy people just hanging out <laughs> backstage. And these niggas is like the goth kids at high school or some shit. <laughs> That'd be dope. I'm, but like you bringing up like Ed, Edge and AJ, it makes me think like one of my early predictions for the next Money in the Bank holder was Riddle. But mm. Finn is also a pick for that. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to go along with the U.S. title. If, if he loses it, I'll feel even more confident in my pick that he's going to be, he's going to be win the money in the bank. And honestly, he could win it when he has the U S title too, and then drop the title end up cashing in. Cause with, with this unification thing, like the, the thought is, are they going to make a new belt for raw? Are, are they going to still have it be two belts that Roman has to defend at the same pay-per-view? Like what, well, what exactly is going to be, well, you know, the way that they operate, they're, they're saying unification, but I'm just like, I, I, I with Fox and USA being split, I, I don't know if it's going to be one title. Like, Raw is going to have to get something. So um, I think there, there's a possibility where Roman's def- defending both titles. He faces Finn. He faces someone else. He, he beats the first guy, and then Finn and then Brock comes back and interferes and beats Roman, and then Finn wins that match. But also, I thought about this. Edge has never been United States champion as far as I know. So if we're going to get Finn versus Edge – for, for that U.S. title, I, I I wouldn't put it past Edge to 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 try to get that Grand Slam before he uh, before he hangs up for. I'm, I'm thinking I he's never been U.S. champion. No, I I don't think he ever has. So hey man, like but like he Finn was one of the guys that he uh, alluded to in that promo two weeks ago. So I I think the streets would love to see Finn versus Edge. A Finn Edge AJ triple threat would be good. A Finn Edge agent, uh-huh. Damian Priest, Fatal Four Way would be good. You could throw Cody in there, like, you, like give us, give us a, a six pack challenge with all those great performers, and sprinkle in Seth Rollins and KO for the fuck of it. Like, there's so many different things you could do. Um, so yeah, I mean, Chan Brobman, Mid Card Mafia is looking great, and we got Ricochet, who's been announced as the the number two babyface on SmackDown. He's getting a push. He's getting a IC title match against Sami Zayn, like. You know, on the one hand, it kind of shows that SmackDown is really lacking because it goes from Drew to Ricochet. But at the same time, it's like, hey, man, n- n- next man up. And Ricochet is that next man up. And he, I think him, him and Sammy are going to give us give us something pretty good. And, uh, you know, maybe this will be Ricochet's time to get a belt again. It's been about two years since he's held, held some gold. So maybe this is his time. So, yeah, Midcar Mafia is a good good chant. Don't worry. We're, we're holding it down for you with the with the Midcar report. Uh, what you got for us? So stupid. Yeah, <laughs> what you got for us, CC? Yeah, man. Um, bruh, my my guy, Ridge, Ridge, homie Quan. Um, <laughs> I know that this is part of the process. My thing is you're supposed to fall in love with the process, and mm-hmm. I'm falling in boredom with the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's with Seamus because he's learning the ropes and all that stuff. Um, but my thing is like I see there's two ways this can go he can get uh like he can learn how to you know do the personality thing um get that up and going like become a good talker and then go out there and perform and then you know have his whole career or he can just be like another one of the guys that came in we thought he was something and you know not really going anywhere i actually um i actually like rich holland he's cool Um, i like him a lot i think yeah, he's to be honest, like if you have to build a roster that like when if you have to build a roster, you kind of like you kind of benefit from you really do benefit from having a, a rich Holland. Um, 
But the thing that I'm noticing or whatever is that I'm just getting bored. Like I'm literally getting bored to the point where I see him and Seamus on screen. I don't give a shit because I know exactly what's about to happen. They're either about to win or lose, but either way, it's going to be like some weird thing. And then I know, and we all know where this is heading to. Him and Sheamus are going to have a falling out, blah, blah, blah. They're going to have their match or whatever, put on a, a match, and then Ridge Collins is going to go from there or whatever. That's that's the obvious route. There's a couple of other ways they can go, but that's the obvious route. And my thing is, because they hinted to it already with uh, with um, with Sheamus pushing them down and all that stuff. Um, but my thing is, like, if you're going to have him go solo, um have him go solo for real, for real. And don't like, just kind of like put him out there just to put him out there. Like, I, pr- I think he probably might need more work. I haven't heard him talk a lot. And I also missed um, some episodes that I know he's been on. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, every time I see him, it's just, I don't get that feeling of, Oh, there's Rich Holland. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's Rich Holland. Is he going to like, are they going to have him do something? And then yeah. he goes out and he wrestles a little bit and, you know, he has a thing with Seamus. Like, bro, first of all, that little club thing that he has and, and the uh, the uh, the hat that he wears and like the whole get up or whatever. Fam, it's like it's not working for me. <laughs> like there's there's other stuff that you can do with this guy. Like yeah. I, you've done it with other guys similar to his style. Mm-hmm. I think um, I just think if he sticks with it too long, it could end up biting him in the ass or whatever. But I just, I want, I want to see do a win. So I just hope it turns out. Okay. But I'm at the point where I'm getting concerned and I'm ready to be like, all right, listen, man, we got to do something with this. Cause mm-hmm. it's not really working. And I really want like his shit to work out. I, I mean, I, I know it will. it's just, I'm, I know this is a part of the process. I'm just getting bored as hell with this shit. I'm getting bored. No, hundred percent, man. I think, um, it's uh, it, calling him Rich Homie Quan is perfect because if, if we look at look at things now, Young Thug is up here. Rich Homie Quan is unfortunately, you know, and the, there is a there, there's a significant gap, obviously, between him and Seamus. Seamus is kind of like that guy who's on TV regularly. He's cool. He's definitely he, he's, he's been great the last two years. I got nothing wrong with Seamus. But having Ridge as his understudy, it hasn't elevated Ridge in any way. Like you think about AJ and Omas. Omos was elevated, but by AJ Styles without really talking. Ridge don't talk. Ridge fights matches. His matches are serviceable. They're passable. They're not really that great. My thing, I just looked up who was in that um, Fatal 4-Way tag team match when when, uh, Viking Raiders became number one contenders. Why were Sheamus and Ridge not in that match? Sheamus and Ridge, uh, like another way to get them active would be to have them in the tag team division. The SmackDown tag team division, well, look at who was in that match. Viking Raiders. Los Lotharios, Cesaro and Mansoor, Jinder Mahal and Shanky. You could have easily taken out Jinder Mahal and Shanky and put in Sheamus and, and uh, Ridge. And their story there, because Cesaro was in that match. Like, there's a lot of different things that you could have done. Um, and honestly, and J5 talks about it all the time, bringing up Ridge without Pete Dunne was so stupid. Like, Pete don't really, like, of course, you want to have veterans down there in, in 2.0 to have them, you know, helping the new guys to get acclimated. These Pete Dunn and freaking um the, the, the Italian dude, I'm not forgetting his name, um, uh, oh, to Tony oh, D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo. They, yeah. they, they, these matches are, 
they're not doing anything for me. Like, and I, I, I don't really feel like Tony's character is being helped or his, his in ring is being helped by Pete either. Like, and it's, it's taking away from what you could be doing with Pete. You could have Pete up there going toe to toe with Sami Zayn, going toe to toe with Shinsuke Nakamura. You could have him on raw, but smack SmackDown really needs people who are not just playing second fiddle to guys that were already used to, like I like I I wouldn't really want to see Sheamus in the Intercontinental title picture, but I would like to see Ridge get to the point where I'm like, he he's a viable contender. Put him against Sammy, put him against Shinsuke. And it's it I I I don't know if they have long-term plans, but this right now is not it. And Ridge is capable. I, I really liked Ridge when he was in NXT. Like when he was in NXT, he felt like a big deal. Like he he he, he was main event in shows, you know, walking out with the it, it was like, oh shit, Rich Holland's fighting someone, like, yo, they must get cooked. Now it's just like, oh, that, that, that's Ridge, Sheamus' buddy. Like, come on, man. Like, we, we got to get together. You already got it. We're, like, you want to know what it looks like when it works? Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. That's what it looks like when it works. Like, I, them niggas could stay together for another two years. I wouldn't give a shit. That shit works. <laughs> like, it's just something about this that just don't hit like that. But yeah. if you look at it, like, from the very beginning when he got introduced, when Mad Cat got introduced um, with the character – um, he immediately got introduced with something that like he had a thing, like he told jokes or whatever. He's fun. like him and like him and Corbin actually seem like they're friends on the same level. It's just mm-hmm. that Madcap's quote unquote new or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Rich Holland really feels like Seamus's fucking son, my nigga. Yeah. And you can't have a nigga that big out there being somebody <laughs> else's son. Cause then we're going to be like, Oh, that's nigga. I ain't even worried about you. Get, get your damn daddy. Like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how, and you don't want that in a wrestler that you're trying to push. So yeah, yeah man, they, it's not they're not on the same level hopefully they realize it very very soon um and i hope they do something with it because rich holland should be out should be out here being ass yeah. like that's his that was that would be his number one stick he got the fucking face for it he got the size for it or whatever he got the move set for it the power it's, like everything is there yeah it's just putting him in positions where he feels more important, like he's not the oh Seamus and Ridge. Of course, they're doing something with Ricochet. And now Ricochet don't got Cesaro. Like so, what? what, what I, I don't know where it's gonna go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it's gonna go. Uh, let's jump into this free ride. So originally, Bob uh, Brock Lesnar was slated to defend the WWE title against Bobby Lashley at Madison Square Garden this upcoming Saturday. I wish uh, a show that I will be going to. Very excited. Uh, looks like Bobby is not. We don't know if he's cleared yet. Um, I'm not sure because uh, Paul and and the promotions for it have said Brock Lesnar will defend the WWE title. It's not saying who he's defending against. So being that it's a live show and they can kind of do whatever, like it's, it's, it's dope that they've been alluding to a live show on weekly TV because there's usually a lot of like separation between the two. But the fact that they're alluding to this, they're making it a big deal. And I feel like with that, knowing that you're trying to sell tickets, knowing that people are going to find some way to be tapped in, you got to get a contender who makes sense for Brock Lesnar. So who would you put Brock Lesnar against to defend the WWE title on Saturday at MSG on the road to WrestleMania? Eddie Kingston. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bruh, I... Honestly, I really don't know. It's um this is a this is a really really tough one. Um cuz my first thing was like <laughs> the first thing I thought was have Seth go up against Brock 
slay the beast again and then uh get in roman's head for the unification thing or whatever and then mm-hmm. like have that be a thing but like maybe brock gets it back or something or like maybe Seth just loses because like seth's always like going behind kale's back and getting opportunities for himself or whatever but he already cast in his chip where it's like you go and you talk to management and you get your championship match or whatever um so for me like when i think about who can go against them i honestly don't i don't like i don't i don't think anybody's really like a a real viable choice (laughs) at this point (laughs) like i can't i honestly like hell like i honestly can't pick anybody like there's uh there is really no one that i can think of and it doesn't like and to me it even for like the last like here's here's the thing you I don't think there's anybody that you can put up against him right now that would make sense in a way where it's like, I think that person can win against him. Right. Um, Cause then you also have to look at like, who's um, who's involved in like other stuff or whatever. Right. So I think that you're really your only option at that point is to go to somebody who we know won't win or whatever, but it's like, oh, just to see him like kind of have a chance against him or whatever. Yeah. So I literally have only one pick. Um, and I don't know if he's like cleared to, I don't know if he's like healed and stuff and he can wrestle yet or whatever, but I just saw him on TV. So my guess is he's all right. Um, Austin Theory. Hmm. Have Austin Theory just go do it. Have him go up, get destroyed <laughs> by Brock, but make it look like he has a chance for like two seconds or whatever, but get destroyed by Brock. And then we'll just, you know, we'll call it that. And we'll bring that back somewhere later down the the line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that'll just be a part of like Austin's story on a come up or whatever. Like when he gets to the title at one point, Brock will come back for it. Tell him that he already beat him once. Austin would be like, I'm not the same guy. This is like two, three years from now, blah, blah, you know. But aside from that. I'm like, if you look at the raw roster, it's like everyone else is kind of involved in something. If there was some, yeah. somebody else that you could pick or whatever, you wouldn't even believe that they could really win against that person. You know mm. what would be funny is if if, if Roman challenged him. Because <laughs> 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 Roman's, be Roman's defending that night against uh, Seth, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's defending against Seth. So that would be that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking... AJ Styles, just because I'm thinking of the live MSG crowd and being that it's a live show and they're alluding to it, like just because they're alluding to it doesn't necessarily mean they have to make it make sense with with the weekly television stories. So you Mm -hmm. make it AJ, someone who's going to pop the crowd. It's a match that they've had before. It was a really good match. Survivor Series 2017. We know AJ is not going to win that. But 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 you create that intrigue where it's like, oh, shit. If AJ wins this, he's defending the title against Edge, who just did him dirty on Raw. Like, it, you, you kind of just, like, get those wheels turned in people's heads. But, mm-hmm. I, like, realistically, it's, it's title versus title, Roman versus Brock. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I agree. This is a really tough spot. I thought Big E, but the, but the, the black Twitter wrestling people would hate that because we know Big E's not winning that. I love Big E, but it's yeah. not happening. Um, I thought I thought Edge, but I, I I don't know if Edge would Edge get in the ring with Brock at this stage of his career. I don't I don't, I don't know about it. And the only other thing I was like calling a hail mary, calling John Cena, <laughs> like calling call Cena, man. I, I I would love that. I I would pop so crazy if if John Cena comes out to face Brock, even if he loses. I don't, I don't care. We haven't seen that match since what twenty. 
14. I, I don't think we've seen them in, in the ring together in quite some time. So, yeah, give, give, give me John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. I, I don't care if Cena's going to lose it. Brock will squash him in a minute, but I, I just want to see yeah. it. I, I just want to see it. Co- co- a fucking cowboy Brock looking at John Cena. I, I, I just want to see it. So that would be hilarious. I want to hear a Cena rap, rap about cowboy version of Brock. Uh, you know who's another, <laughs> another, another potential candidate? Um, only like t- as the candidate where it's just like, oh, okay, this person could win. Like I can see how they could win. Um, Omas. Mm. I, I, like, I actually no, thought about that too. Yeah, he has no right to challenge, but when you think about, like, you know, who, like, could actually step in and, like, actually give you a chance or whatever, it's like, eh, maybe you must. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it, w- it would be – we haven't seen Brock really go big, meaty men slapping – I mean, obviously with Bobby Lashley, but, like, Omos is, like, a different type of beast. Like, like we haven't seen Brock in the mm-hmm. ring with someone that big in quite some time, so – Seeing Brock pick up Omas up for an F5, seeing him hit release Germans on Omas, it'll be a great look for Omas too to get in the ring with yes. one of the one of the best in-ring storytellers and like really coming to understand, you know, playing to the crowd and all that. Because I'm sure Brock would be Brock would probably be somewhat giving to Omas. He 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 would yeah. let Omas cook him, but Brock would probably be be, be giving to him. Um, so that and think about it, like. He would, and think about this too, is like, as a, as a bigger guy, like one of the things I noticed, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm watching Raw 99 right now. One of the things I really noticed about Kane, Kane would have like a match with X-Pac and when X-Pac would punch him, Kane looked like he got punched in the face real hard. Mm-hmm. Like the way he reacted, this guy's like seven, one, you know, whatever can crush the Xbox with one hand or whatever, but mm-hmm. when he gets hit, he sells. And that's the thing is just like, even as a, as a bigger guy, or maybe even especially as a bigger guy, you really got to know how to sell mm-hmm. in order to like really make that match feel like something. So this could be an opportunity for Omas to have a, a you know, he's been crushing people this whole time, but if he wants the longevity, he's going to have to sell because like every you're gonna have to if you work for this company long enough you take it pins bro like mm-hmm. that's what's happening like yeah. <laughs> you can't just go to work and not take pins so you have to figure out a, or at the very least sell and make sure you know you make it look good so mm-hmm. if he wants to have a, a long career that's somebody else i can see but it's with this like short notice i like i don't know but my mm-hmm. my guess is is that my guess is that um, they might have somebody like come out and like try to like go up against Brock, but maybe like Bobby like comes in like half injured or something like that and mm. and like messes it up because he doesn't want somebody else to beat him for the championship or I don't know. I just think it's going to be a fiasco, to be honest. Mm. I think it's going to be an entertaining ass fiasco. That's what mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking fuck around. Have, have Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss come out or some shit. <laughs> Bro, I, I mean, <laughs> at this point, you really got to call up the call-ups. But this is also an opportunity, like you said, like how you, like John Cena could come back or mm-hmm. whatever and have, like you could, I mean, I don't know. You might, they might pull a rabbit out of a hat and have some random person that you really didn't see coming, which mm-hmm. I would love to see. That's what I love about uh, wrestling is, is that surprise. Like I remember I was watching the Raw live when The Rock came back. I didn't expect him to come back. I was just, I just happened. I was like, oh, let me put this on. And then he came back. I was like, oh, shit. That shit was yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, like to have him moving like that, man. But yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I 
I, I, I think it's going to be like AJ. It, it's going to be some like safe, but like dope pick. Like I would love to see AJ versus yeah. Brock live. So I, I think I'm going to rock with that. But uh, speaking of AJ, we saw that uh, AJ took Edge's challenge for WrestleMania, man. We're, we're going to see. And the radar superstar came back out. The master manipulator. We saw a low blow. We saw a concerto. So Edge is going full negative. Once again, I love babyface AJ Styles. Like I, I know he's a great heel, but I love him as a babyface too. So we're, we're, we're going to see the phenomenal one versus the master manipulator at WrestleMania. Who you got taking the W, Edge or AJ Styles? This is really, really, really tough. Um, this is really, really tough. I think, yeah, this is really tough. And my, for some reason, the first thing that's popping in my head is like AJ wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be weird um, for Edge if it wasn't for the fact that he just showed us that he was about to turn heel. I think Edge can lose as WrestleMania, at WrestleMania, put on a great match as a heel, and then still stay where he is right now with the fans, which is that they're excited to see him every time he, they, he comes out mm-hmm. or whatever. Because um, it's very clear that he's not here to do some, like, um, seven-month, one-year, or even two-year shit. Edge is about to wrestle until this nigga can't wrestle no more, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, this nigga's still, he's staying for a while. Yeah. So when you think about that, and and he likes the long-form storytelling, when you think about that, it's like, since he's been back, he hasn't gotten a chance to get in his rated-R superstar bag or whatever. Um, and we have, like, the new fans who weren't around for that, the kids who were just being born who were watching wrestling, like, who weren't around for that, to see all... This nigga was doing salacious, crazy shit at the mm. time or whatever. Like, sicko. he was doing... St- bro, he real sicko mode. Like, that, that... You talk about sicko mode? This is Edge or whatever. So I'm like, oh, this would be an opportunity for him to do that. And if he loses, then he can really be crazy or whatever. Like, he can really go crazy. And if he wins... He can have that and, you know, he can use that as an ego boost kind of thing. Um, but I like with right now where, where I see um, Edge is I see him being more of like a psycho. Um, he is a master, master manipulator, but like the way is the way he emotes now, it's much more of like a torn, like his like his motions are torn and he seems more like impulsive mm-hmm. um at times like it's thoughtful ahead of time but in the moment it seems impulsive like with the concerto like the way he i watched the whole thing the way he pulled it off uh great i see you was going for that emmy too by the way <laughs> Go ahead, um but yeah no i i honestly i think it's aj i think that it's a classic um i, I feel like they put on a 20 minute 25 minute classic um, maybe even 30. I'd be happy with I I will please give me the 30. Um a classic and AJ wins. And I think the the way that AJ wins is he reverses edges like scheming ways on him and then he goes. Cause they they're setting it up already. Like Edge is already like wilding off off rip. So in order to it's already clear that if AJ wants to win, he's gonna have to like flip that on his head. And I think yeah. he does it at WrestleMania. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, man, it's uh I think this is going to steal the show, to be honest. Like I I, I think this is going to be the best match on, on the card. So I'm very excited for that. 
Um, I got, I got, I got AJ winning as well, man. I, I think it's kind of like you said, Edge doesn't lose anything. Like if if we look at his his record since coming back, Royal Rumble 2020, he beat Randy, and then and then he lost to Randy. He came back, he won the Royal Rumble, he lost to WrestleMania, and then he took some time off. He came back, he lost to Roman, beat Seth, lost to Seth, beat Seth. So like he's he's won more than he's lost, but he's lost a good amount. But every loss is like every loss has made sense. Every loss has contributed to a story and it's it's been a great match regardless and i think that he's got a, a lot of respect for aj and um i i i think that this is could potentially lead to something more like you know it doesn't have to end at wrestlemania we're, we're seeing these days wrestlemania which used to be you know a a show of blow-offs is now like continuing stories or starting stories. So it's very possible we could see this match between them and then we could see a gimmick match, you know, at the next pay-per-view and, you know, see them finish it off at SummerSlam for the U.S. title or something like, you know, there's so many different ways that they can go. But I think on the grandest stage of them all, um, I think think Ed is going to, you know, pull out a classic. Uh, AJ is going to obviously do his best work. Edge is gonna get dirty. He's he's gonna get sneaky. The ref, you know, it's gonna be there's gonna be like a ref bump and Edge pulling out a chair or something. And AJ overcomes, and then Edge is just gonna be a thorn in his side because this is such a great story too. Because Edge is saying, "Yo, someone come out and challenge me. I'm gonna make you a legend." So he he he's talking that shit. He's real cocky, as if like, yeah, like I'm gonna make you a legend. You're gonna have a great match with me, but but I'm 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 gonna beat you. So for him to lose and be going psycho already, that's just going to take him like even further psycho. He's going to be like, like, oh, like, bro, like you, you was talking all that shit saying you're going to make someone else, you know, and then you, you end up taking the L. So obviously he's, he's going to feel very vindictive as a result of that. I would love to see like them get Beth involved again and her trying to like talk him down and get him to chill out. And like, there's, there's a lot that they can do with this. So I, I think he does take the L at WrestleMania, but it's going to serve something bigger down the road. Um, for our last free ride, man, predict one surprise return that we're going to get at uh, WrestleMania. And not necessarily like a superstar that's on the active roster now, but like just one legend who's going to pop up and do something funny, substantial. Hmm. We are in Texas. I got to think about the Texas people. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Shawn Michaels super kicking somebody who's been talking crap about Texas and kale has been talking a lot. Kale's going to get stunner. Like mm-hmm. I can, like he's been setting up him getting stunner. So we already know Stone Cold is going to stunner him, mm-hmm. but I can see Shawn Michaels popping up and super kicking somebody. Um, I'm trying to think legend status who might come back. Honestly, it's so wide open. Oh, who could they have? They can have a they can have a, a good amount of people. Oh, but you know what? Whose hips still work? Like who, <laughs> who can still move? <laughs> um, outside of the obvious people. I only have one legend that I think is gonna um come back. And I don't like this is not like a you know, uh Twitter fingers like, oh my gosh, I really think he's gonna do it. Um come mm-hmm. back. It's just that I could see it happening. Yeah. If Ro- if Roman unifies that title, Rock is showing up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's not guaranteed, but I can see how, because if you think about it, if he unifies the title, Roman will have beaten everyone at that point. Mm-hmm. He will have beaten everyone. There's not really anybody that you can put him up against that's not higher than the other people. So I can see that. But um, 
but yeah, um, my other, the other one that I'll throw out there, I don't know if he's, um, if he's still around, but um, Blue Meanie. Mm. <laughs> Random, but but yeah, Blue Meanie comes back. I don't know. Mm. What about you? You know, I, I, I came up with this question because I was thinking about it too, man. There's a lot of factors that play into it. There's It's Texas, but there's also like, it'd be random people popping up. It's like people you didn't necessarily want to see be like, oh, that's cool. Like, you, they're always good for a Jeff Jarrett or, or a Diamond Dallas Page, but like, or, or a boogeyman. So I'm like, well, what direction can they go at this point? Like, maybe Kane will show up or maybe like, we haven't seen Triple H on TV in quite some time. So just seeing Triple H would be cool. It's just a matter of like, in what capacity does he show up um i'd love for melina to come back to be honest it was great seeing her in the royal rumble um her her, her honestly I, I was like you know give sasha and melina a match at wrestlemania that's fine but tag tag team title match is cool too um i had someone else in my mind and i just completely forgot damn it, it's gonna come back to me at some point but yeah man like it's it, it it's it's always like like when Rob Van Dam was there last year, it was amazing to see him. It was like, oh shit, RVD, cool. And he's talking about his rolling papers. That's so fun. But it was like, I don't know, like if, if you if you predicted anyone, you might not have thought Rob Van Dam first. So um I guess it's a matter of who who wants to come to Texas or who, who they can fly out, you know, a hotel room availability. But um I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to WrestleMania regardless. I'm also looking forward to the fact that this month is Women's History Month. We are in March. And for our rewrite today, we want to discuss the evolution of women in the WWE over the last few decades and rewrite some older storylines to be less salacious and more empowering. So I know for me, when I first started watching, um, I, I watched SmackDown primarily. So it, it was in the midst of Vince McMahon and Sable, you know, having their affair, Tori Wilson, who I loved, and Nydia, who was blind, and Jamie Noble was using her to win matches, and I think Miss Jackie was around at some point. And then um, when I got SmackDown, here comes the pain. That's when they brought in the bra and panties matches. So I was like, oh, this is lit. Like, this wrestling shit is great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to like this. And then at WrestleMania 20, they had that uh, Playboy Bunny evening gown match and things like that. And it was it was always, you know, the the objectification of women. And hey, hey to, the, the fans loved it. We loved watching it. And it was a very different time back then. And over time, we saw, you know, obviously the, the classic Lita and Trish Stratus main eventing Raw for the women's title. We saw SmackDown introduce a Divas title where Michelle McCool and Maurice and Natalia were fighting over it. We saw the women's title and the Divas title unify and Layla and um, Michelle McCool had their two-woman power trip thing going. And then obviously with mid-2000s with the NXT and the four horsewomen coming up, it shifted from the Divas title to the women's title with that match at WrestleMania 32, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch. And then with the brand split, we got two separate women's titles again, Raw women's title, SmackDown women's title. And I mean, no one can forget the amazing moments like the, the first women's Royal Rumble match, the first women's elimination chamber, the women's main event at WrestleMania 35, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, uh, Beck Bailey and Sasha Banks' classic takeover Brooklyn match. There's, there's, the, it's so dope that we're able to see women not just utilize their beauty 
but utilize their athleticism. They're actually able to like wrestle matches now, like older matches, you would just see slaps and hair pulling. And now it's like, they're doing moves. Like they're putting together. Some of the women got better movesets than some of the dudes. Bianca Belair has, has a generational moveset. Like she's, she's talking about it. Like she's, she's phenomenal. And she continues to improve it. Charlotte is obviously super technical, super fundamental, like textbook, one of the greatest women to ever wrestle. And they're able to carry that star power in addition to just putting on quality matches you actually want to watch. Like, let's be honest, man. Like when, when I went back and watched WrestleMania 22, Trish Stratus versus Mickey James, not really a great match. Like not really something that I wanted to see the storyline of Mickey being crazy. Like that was cool. And we got to give Mickey her credit for being one of the early women to really revitalize how women will perceive Beth Phoenix, uh, Natalia back in the day. Um, Michelle McCool is a big one. We talked about her earlier. Alicia Fox, uh, former Divas champion. Um, Eve Torres. Like, there's there's been a lot of them to come through, but I think women's wrestling has never been as big as it is now. We look at NXT. The, the NXT women are, are being groomed properly. Like, they're they're being groomed to be amazing wrestlers. We got some amazing people in the pipeline. Io Shirai. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez is is steadily improving. I, I don't love her wrestling, but she's she's getting up there. Cora Jade is going to be great, and Nikita Lyons is the key to world peace. I mean, we just we have we have so much. Um, and so with that, with all of this empowerment and positivity, now we want to look back and we want to inject it into the past. So, well, what's your rewrite for us, brother? Yeah, man. That first of all, that was a great. Uh, that was a great recap there. I really like that. I feel like Thank I learned you, a lot. Um, <laughs> that being said, you did mention somebody that I would like to talk about. Um, it might be March first, but surprise, motherfuckers, it's still Black History Month to me. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about a woman named Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Now, Jacqueline debuted in '98 with Mark Merrow um, as his like girlfriend post disabled uh, breakup. Um, and uh, essentially, she was playing the role of the, a lot of the other women in the, um, the WWE at the time, which is just kind of like an eye candy thing or whatever, um, who also wrestled from time to time. But the thing about Jacqueline that you found out real quick is that, one, she could actually wrestle um, a little bit. And then the other thing that she found out is that she had like this attitude and um, and not in the, the stereotypical black woman has an attitude way, but she had this attitude that fit with the attitude era way, which she was just re- willing to take it there. Um, you could hear it in her voice and everything like that. So I just thought it would be great um, if we could rewrite Jacqueline's story for when she comes in to maybe like a, a year or two, a little bit after that. So she she still debut, debuts with Mark Merrill. She loses to Sable in a halter top, halter top match. Doesn't forget that shit. Um, <laughs> then Mark Merrill and Jackie then lose to, and for those of you who did not know that this happened, this actually happened. Mark Merrill and, ja- and Jacqueline lost to Edge and Sable at SummerSlam. This is, I think this is Edge's first year in the WWE, if not like during that first year. And this is his, I'm pretty sure this is his first SummerSlam. Um, that's what happened at his first SummerSlam. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so Jacqueline also doesn't forget that. Um, but um, later down the road, I think it's September of that very same year, Jackie N goes and she wins the women's championship when she defeats Sable with Meryl's help. Um, um, I, yeah, there was like some weird thing that happened and she ended up winning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the next, here's my, where my rewrite starts. The next week on Raw, they have a celebration ready. They got all the stuff that they normally have, you know, red carpet um, in the ring. They've got champagne bottles and stuff ready. You know, Jacqueline's happy. Mark Merrill's happy. You know, they do, they talk to the crowd for a little bit, get them riled up because they're heels at the time. And then Mark Merrill pours some glasses of champagne. They go to do the hook thing and drink it together. As they come out from the hook, Mark Merrill goes to kiss Jacqueline and Jacqueline like gives him like the hands to the mouth real quick. And then all of a sudden, all you hear is the, we are the nation, the domination. Like what the hell is going on here? Boom, D'Lo and Mark Henry come out. Now around this time, Mark, Mark Henry was like about to like make his shift to sexual chocolate in that ladies man gimmick. So this still kind of works out um, because at that time, Mark Henry was just uh, a fool for uh, <laughs> he was just a fool for women at that time. Um, so this works out perfectly. So surprise, the Nation of Domination has been revived and Jacqueline is actually the leader. Mm. Um, Jacqueline ends up masterminding D'Lo, retaining and uh, keeping the European Championship for a year over a year away from X-Pac. Um, she also uh, masterminds Mark Henry winning the, the Intercontinental Championship somehow, um, and he keeps it for a while. Um, the nation keeps up. They smoke with DX, obviously, with D'Lo and Xbox having their stuff, um, and Mark Henry keeping the Intercontinental Championship, which I think at the time Billy Gunn was gunning for Um and uh so yeah like she's just masterminding all this stuff and then if you remember at the time there's not a lot of women in the company but sable ends up leaving it again because she left then she came back then she left again mm-hmm. i believe um so it was really just like china there so um with china, her being the only one there and them having smoke with dx china's like yo like let me get that let me get that up off you and uh jacqueline gives uh china a title shot at rubble 99 and she retains after she uses some brass knuckles that d'lo gives her um mm. continues her reign she just dominates um so she continues to dominate as champion as sable is no longer with the company and she already beat china so there's like really no com- competition she cuts a promo saying that she ran sable out of the wwf and if anyone wants to step to her they're gonna end up like china or whatever and then the nation and jacqueline kind of like take a break from tv for a bit or whatever you don't really see them for a while around this same time in 99 what's brewing is the ministry the ministry is brewing and then so what happens is after the brood get revealed to be a part of the ministry we see a minion that clearly has like some chest um but they have like gloves on or whatever and then that they catch that minion um backstage in the dark like beating on china or whatever and then it just goes like really dark and it kind of goes back to the commentators and they don't know what's going on um fast forward to i think it's i think this is is this wrestlemania that this happens at it's either wrestlemania or SummerSlam. but undertaker ends up hanging the boss man and boom jacqueline reveals that she is the mistress of the ministry um she cuts a promo saying that she's been working with undertaker she hasn't just been pulling the strings when it comes to the nation of domination, she's also been pulling the strings when it comes to the ministry. And then, but at some point, you know, this is the undertaker we're talking about. He's big, he's the big boss or whatever. So it's not like he really listening to people. So there's some tension there. And then eventually, um, let's call it survivor series. She pushes her luck with trying to control like the undertaker. And she ends up dropping the title to China when, uh, when undertaker distracts her or whatever. But 
yeah, she gets to have like a long drawn out run. She gets her own faction or whatever. And if you notice, none of this is based on sex or like her relationship to a man. It's just mm-hmm. her just out here wilding and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool if Jacqueline had that. So yeah, that's my rewrite. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that. So I'm going to take it to 2003. Now, if y'all remember 2003, this was when Vince McMahon was in the midst of a feud with his daughter, Stephanie McMahon. Now, he had the running affair with Sable, um, and he asked he asked Stephanie McMahon to resign as the SmackDown general manager. Stephanie obviously didn't, so Vince was like, all right, we're going to f- face off in an I quit match. They face an I quit match at No Mercy, which Stephanie loses because her mother, Linda McMahon, throws in the towel on her behalf. Now, the I quit match was gruesome. It it was very, very crazy to watch. Uh, It was just very, very nasty. And this influences the return of Shane McMahon. So Shane McMahon comes back. He's like, Dad, like, you got to really look at what you're doing to our family, like, on national TV in front of people. Like, sit down and rewatch the match. So... Vince rewatches the match. He's brought to tears. He's like, I can't believe I'm doing this to my family. Can't believe I'm doing this to women. This is horrible. So Vince goes through a couple weeks of sensitivity training. After sensitivity training, because you know, <laughs> you know they will do some shit like this. <laughs> you know they will do some sensitivity training on TV. So, so we see Vince in in his sessions, and he's, oh, why, why would I respect a woman? Bro, what, my what, but. They're, they're here for our pleasure. What do you mean? Like, you know, stuff like that. And we see him slowly peeling back his layers. So after his sensitivity training is over, it's actually like two weeks before some uh, Survivor Series. So Vince is like, all right, um, I've, you know, I've, I've come to my senses. I'm changing my ways. Stephanie, please stay as, as general manager. Linda, I'm sorry that I've, you know, been, been cheating on you on national TV. It's never going to happen again. Here's what I'm going to do to make up for it. I'm going to create a another woman's title called the Divas title exclusive to SmackDown. So he's, he's starting the, the, the Divas championship a couple years earlier than it actually happened. I think it happened around like 2008-ish, 2009-ish. So Vince is going to do it a little sooner. He, so he, he, he has a four-woman tournament between Nydia, Tori Wilson, Shaniqua. I don't know if you remember Shaniqua. She, 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 she was with the Basham brothers. Shaniqua, yeah, yeah. Going back. Shaniqua. And Sable's in the tournament. <laughs> and Stephanie is like, um, Sable, like, why, Dad, like, aren't you going to stop, like, with her? Like, why are you giving opportunities? Like, no, I'm, I'm still going to give with Sable. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm having this tournament for women. I'm doing better things for women. Like, be happy with it. So the, the, the first round, it's uh, Shaniqua versus Tori Wilson and Sable versus Nidia. Shaniqua upsets Tori Wilson. And Vince helps Sable defeat Nidia. So at uh, Survivor Series... It is Shaniqua versus Sable. Sable looks like she's about to win. Vince gets up, turns on Sable, helps a black woman beat the woman who he was cheating on his wife with. And then Shaniqua is the inaugural Divas champion, crowned at Survivor Series. And of course, Vince pulls up and he starts doing his little dance. And he's like, yo, 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 shorty. Like, you know, he's he's just trying to like talk ebonics to her and stuff. And like Shaniqua gives him that look and then walks away um but yeah i feel like at, in this time the, the women on smackdown were really just floundering so to give them something to do you, you just create the, the, that divas title earlier there's not many of them you'd end up having a lot of the same matches but the, the, there were a lot of women c- coming up that pipeline a couple of years later we got uh joy giovanni 
uh, Candace Michelle, they were doing the Raw Diva search. And a lot of women that were on the Raw Diva search ended up being part of the rosters anyways. Michelle McCool was around, you know, um, a lot sooner than she became who she was. Kelly Kelly, women like that. So, you know, you, you start that title earlier, you give the woman on SmackDown something to do. They're probably only going to get like 10 to 15 minutes each weekly show. But um, crowning a black woman as the inaugural Divas champion, having Vince go through sensitivity training and create this whole tournament for women, uh, apologizing to his wife, apologizing to his daughter. Um, I, I, I think it would make some really great TV. And it, it's just a cool way to empower some of the women there who were talented. Like, I don't think Tori Wilson ever got a run with a title. So eventually she could be Shaniqua. Nidia, I thought was pretty cool. You could have done some stuff with Nidia. Like, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's my rewrite. Oh, I'm fucking with that. I love, <laughs> I love how we both had uh, black women winning uh the, the title for it was like it's not just women we're gonna also make sure mm-hmm. yes sir mm-hmm. yeah no i'm fucking with that yeah i um i yo you threw it back with shaniko bro god damn <laughs> that, that that caught me off guard. Bro, as, I, I like that as i was thinking about this and thinking about the era i was like yo the bash the basher brothers ran with some black chick who was like their uh dominatrix what was her name? So mm-hmm. I, I Googled it. I was like, Shaniqua, of course, man. Like, she, you know, she was brolic, too. Like, she was scary. She, Bro. Was, like, she was scary. <laughs> Beat some ass, man. Oh, man she was man. like, she had that She had that Jay Cargill uh, physique. Bro, she, she literally, like, she was literally, yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, you know, again, we're, we are, we're happy to bring you all some Women's History Month influenced uh, rewrites. We will have another one for you for the month of March. Um, damn, it's it's early, so we might have a couple. I, I gotta check the calendar and make sure what we're doing. But Chan Chan will be back. Um, Chan, it's good Chan wasn't here because he planned to just give you all some uh, empowering bra and panties matches, um, which I don't think we're all that empowering anyway. So you know, <laughs> y'all can y'all can hit him on the side. Maybe he'll make some individual Patreon content for y'all. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is our rewrite for the day, empowering the divas era. Um, it is the boy Armand, the John Cena of journalism, Brock Lesnar of Ball Nigga Ballers, and Paul Heyman of podcasting. Here with my guy, Seth Rollins, a.k.a. CC, best rapper producer in the whole wide world. I'm not going to do the whole intro this time because we're closing. But we are the men with the pen. This is another episode of Rewriter's Room, and we will see y'all real, real soon.